Chapter 36 The magazines holding the key to the poison pen affair were so slippery that it was all that Stella could do to hang on to them. She held on tight. If they were awkward in her arms, they'd be a whole sight worse if they slid down to the floor and she had to gather them back up again. By the time she'd taken a few steps, her arms hurt. Her lower back hurt more. But as if these magazines were uncooperative witnesses subpoenaed to court, she would get her armload of proof to the director's office. As she shuffled, she planned her strategy. Or rather, not so much strategy as form. She saw herself slapping the magazines down on Mrs. Warren's desk, counting aloud, snapping out, There! There! And there! When she imagined her triumph, she seemed unaccountably to be speaking with a French accent. Stella shuffled more quickly now, and her spirits lifted. As she approached Corridor Park, however, they drooped again. It was, she supposed, too much to expect the Greek chorus to let her pass without some kind of debilitating remark. They were like Greek sirens that way, the kind that Odysseus had strapped himself to the mast to avoid. Well, she'd like to see Odysseus get by Olanth, Lucille, and Denauder. As Stella rounded the corner into Corridor Park, Iolanth tucked her needle flatwise into the pillowcase she was embroidering this week. Lucille held her needle up, the thread trailing down from it, and waited as the nodder snipped it short. The three women regarded Stella. You're in a little pot of trouble, I hear, Stella? Iolanth asked. She folded her hands across the pillowcase, lying over her knee. Don't answer her, Stella thought. Lucille added, Stella in a pickle, well, well. Just roll on by, Stella told herself. I don't believe word one of it myself, Island said, not our Stella. No, Stella thought, I'm not rising. There's no smoke without fire, though, Lucille said, and the nodder nodded. Stella stopped where she was. Holding tight to the magazines, she looked from one member of the Greek chorus to the next. She wanted to slap the magazines down across their laps and say, There, there, and there. But she could not. She must not. This business of the poison pen letters was the sort of knot that had to be untangled from the top down in the director's office. And anyway, what did she care what these three thought? There was no need to speak a single word in her own defense. At her age, she knew how gossip worked. The news of her innocence would travel as fast as the news of her supposed guilt had done. But it tried her soul. After a light lifetime spent among crowds of students, teachers, and parents, most of them thinking well of her, it was so hard to know only a few dozen, and have all of them think she was a horrible old woman who sent nasty notes. Listen, she said to the Greek chorus. She ducked her chin towards the load of periodicals she held tight to the front of her jacket. 
See these magazines? The pictures glued into the letters were cut out of these pages. The police and Mrs. Warren and I will fit the pictures into the cutout spaces and then... She paused. Ilith and Lucille were watching her with the exact expressions they must wear while watching Oprah. A sort of, I have my reservations about her, but there's nothing else on at this time, expression. The nodder, openly scornful, looked away. Her little golden scissors snapped once with a cruel, soft sound like that of a tiny, swift guillotine. And then we will go looking for a particular pair of scissors. Stella stared at the nodder's scissors. Just then, the magazines slipped in her arms, and she barely managed to catch them before they scattered on the floor. And then it came to her, set out as if in a neat column in her teaching daybook. 1. The Nodder and her dislike of Stella. 2. The Nodder under the table in the storage room, leaping through the magazines until she arrived at a page displaying the serrated knife. 3. The Nodder snipping and gluing in a fierce silence and then scuffling along the corridor like a malicious Santa's elf, delivering a little something in an envelope under everybody's door. It all made perfect sense. And although Stella did not really believe that the police would sample any, anybody's DNA, she knew she wouldn't need to go to such extreme measures to match the culprit to the crime. She had taught art in her time. She had repaired many a school library book. She knew scissors. And she wondered whether the length of the cuts and their match to the slight curve of the nodder's sewing scissor blades would not be clear proof to even the most disbelieving of policemen or policewomen. Stella added to herself, to be fair. All this flashed through her mind with a brilliant sort of illumination that built into an incandescence of deductive satisfaction. But the light sputtered and died as she remembered two things. One, the way the nodder with a torn up letter on the table in front of her had cried herself halfway to the grave. Could such distress be faked, even by a member of the Greek chorus? And, two, there were probably quite a few other pairs of scissors here and there about Fairmont Manor. And an unexpected further objection came to mind. Three, Stella disliked the nodder. She wished the nodder to be guilty. She would love above all things to see her led away Stella exhaled and, with breath, went all that clever certainty. She could not, would not, accuse the nodder. She would leave the magazines and their clipped-out pictures and letters to the police. They would investigate the case objectively. So, while the Greek chorus stared at her, Stella finished weakly with, I forgot what I was going to say. Stella was not very happy with herself at all. How excited she'd been to think she had found the culprit. She had thought, at the very least, 
to celebrate a private victory, at best, a public vindication. Now, she had no better plan than to hand over the affair of the poison pen letters to others to solve. And then the nodder turned. She looked at Stella with such an expression of guilt and dislike that Stella knew the truth as if it had been scrawled in felt pen across the wall of Corridor Park, right over the nodder's head. This woman had written those letters, had sent Stella a death threat. And if the nodder had sobbed herself into a collapse, it must have been for quite another reason. Perhaps, as a feint, to throw Stella off the track, or perhaps the tears had been real. Perhaps the nodder had been shocked and disappointed that her death threat had left Stella unbowed. Stella wondered how carefully the nodder would have hidden the glue pot and how long the police would have to search before they found it somewhere inside the nodder's room. Stella said calmly to the corridor floor, The police are here. I shall know what to tell them. She would not meet the nodder's gaze. Ilanth took another stitch. Don't let them search you, dear. Or if they must, insist on having a woman in the room. Write to us from jail, Lucille added. Anyway, the food will be better than here. Whether or not the nodder nodded at that, Stella didn't know. She didn't turn around to see. Chapter 37 Seating herself in the chair across the desk from Mrs. Perdita Warren, Stella took a moment to straighten the edges of the magazines in her lap while the director of Fairmount Manor scribbled something on the top sheet of one of the papers on her untidy desk. At last the director put down her pen and rested her gaze upon Stella. The two of them were alone. Stella with her newspapers and private knowledge of the perpetrator, the director with her desk and business clothing, the trappings of power. During the ensuing moment's silence, Stella decided that she would not be the one to break it. She peeked over her shoulder in case there might be a policeman behind her, whom she hadn't seen before entering. There was not. Stella turned back again, smiling slightly, but holding her peace. In the end, it was Mrs. Warren who spoke first. Holding up the letter with the picture of the serrated knife in the middle of it, she said, Mrs. Ryman, why did you send this ugly message to yourself? It was not a fair question, and Stella decided not to answer it. Instead, she picked up the top magazine and laid it on the desk between them. If you'll just take a moment to compare the pictures on the letters with... The director held up two more of the picture messages. Now, this one shows a pair of blue eyes, she said. That's a little worrying, but given the rest of the pictures... A yellow happy face, Stella said. The pictures appear to be cut out. But Mrs. Warren continued holding up the pictures as she described them. A man playing piano, a rabbit, a picture of da Vinci's The Mona Lisa. La Giosonda, Stella murmured. She might also believe she really had sent it to Cheryl as a compliment for heaven's sake. Mrs. Perdita Warren set the papers down before her. 
it's not that any harm has been done here except for your own it's more a case of but why would i send myself a picture of a serrated knife stella asked the director appeared not to hear her a case of mischief stella's case began to unravel itself in a nasty vagueness behind her eyes chapter 38 yes we were man to man and we began to fight silently sternly and hard yet i remember little of it save that the man was my match with the sword nay and more for he knew more tricks than i and that he forced me back the prisoner of zenda as in zenda's darkest hour things were not going well forced back i'm being forced back at sword point stella found she could no longer meet mrs warren's direct gaze she looked away looked down there beneath the bottom of the director's desk mrs warren's feet were visible right up to her ankles and a little above it was the same view stella had often had of the shoes in the next stall at a public washroom the director's shoes were oxblood red the sort of red that looks cheap on cheap shoes however these were expensive pumps laced up the front with black leather ribbons that it wrapped once around the ankle and tied somewhere at the back stella focused hard no they wrapped twice or about the director's ankle the leather on vamp and toe gave off the rich glow associated with brandy and rooms with log fires in the sort of house where you didn't have to carry in the logs the shoes were she guessed at least a size too big for stella but she wanted them like a child wants her mother mrs warren crossed her ankles her shoes catching the light she set her hands atop the papers before her on her desk and told stella she could go and please mrs ryman give me your word you'll never do such a thing again you must try to stay centered and not she folded her lips closed over whatever she was about to say next stella frowned she kept her eyes on the director's face and not on her beautiful shoes i tell you once again mrs warren that i did not send those letters i see then do you know who did Stella could see the lightly veiled disbelief in the woman's eyes. How she would enjoy watching them change while Stella unveiled the author of the poison pen letters. And the apology, sweet as wine. Yes, Stella answered. As a matter of fact, I do. Go ahead. I'm listening. The director of Fairmont Manor sat up a little straighter and leaned forward. She was indeed listening get it right stella tell it straight out first this happened then that happened no retracing and filling in because one mistake one bauble in the narrative and you'll lose her neither she nor her pretty shoes will believe a word you say she could not do it begin she thought as you would begin a mystery bring both perpetrator and victim in early on in fact, 
begin with the perpetrating nodder. The motive, jealousy over Theo Longborn's attentions to her, Stella. The nodder's disgruntlement when, recently, Theo strode right by the Greek chorus to offer his arm in order to escort Stella to lunch. Then, illuminate means, and if necessary, opportunity. The magazines and the Nodder's little gold scissors end by leading the Warren down to Corridor Park to take clippings of the magazine with the Nodder's little golden scissors. The snip marks would match. She knew that beyond the slightest doubt. Never would she forget the look of culpability and shame on the nodder's face. Mrs. Ryman? One of the warden's shoes tapped almost soundlessly on the carpet underneath her desk. Begin with the nodder. But she didn't know the nodder's name. Was it Janet or Jessica? She was certain it began with a J. As she struggled with her memory, Stella pictured her face again as she had last seen it, filled with guilt. For just an instant, she saw the scene in Corridor Park as if from a distance, as if she had been watching herself address the nodder. She, Stella, standing over the cringing woman, threatening the nodder. Of the two of them, which had been the victim, and which the greater bully? Stella let out a long, shaky breath. She said, I can't tell you who sent the letters. I can't get that person into trouble. But, on my honor, I did not send them. The warden's oxblood leather shoes lifted an inch or so off the floor and descended again to stand perfectly side by side. As they touched together, the heels made a faint clicking sound. She said, I see. Stella let out a sigh of relief. She said, Good. Thank you, Mrs. Warren. Mrs. Warren, Stella told herself. Sounds very like Warden. She almost smiled at the thought. Mrs. Ryman, thank you for coming in. Not at all, Mrs. Warren. She made a silent vow not to call this woman the warden, not even in her own private thoughts. You could not have any kind of working relationship with a person to whom you had given a derogatory nickname. Mrs. Warren held out the letters to Stella. Then, seeming to spot her error, she set them back down on her desk. I have your word, then. Her word? Her word about what? Stella heeded the prickle at the back of her mind that told her not to ask the question. Let well enough alone. She stood up to go, but it occurred to her that she still needed to settle something with Mrs. Warren. She said, We discussed my general health last time we talked. I think that you must agree about my condition, and it's improved from when I arrived in Fairmount Manor. May I have the code for the main door, please? There was a pause. Stella felt herself growing taller as she waited. Mrs. Warren looked from the letters on her desk to Stella. Her forehead creased and the disbelief in her eyes was plain. 
Mrs. Ryman, we have established that you sent, and she gestured to the letters on the desk. Placing both hands on her desktop, she leaned forward. I accept your word that such a thing will never happen again, but after today's events, I think we can both agree that you are not ready to... She stood up, apparently losing her place in her sentence as she did so. She walked across the small office, shoes flashing, and held the door open. Stella heard her say something to herself that might have been unbelievable. Stella supposed that when you worked with elderly people, you could say that sort of thing and relieve your feelings without hurting those who were hard of hearing. Stella stood, but she didn't leave. If she left, she was admitting guilt. She was accepting responsibility for writing those damn letters. If she stayed, she'd be forced to accuse the nodder. Stella hesitated. At last, she took the third option. She said, Those are very nice shoes. Chapter 39 All along the corridor, from the director's office to Corridor Park, Stella's slip-ons shuffled to the beat of a single word, thumping over and over in her head. Warden. 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 She passed Thelma, stepping around the wandering cane. She said, I'll come sit with you in a minute. There's something I have to do first. She walked a few steps further to where the Greek chorus sat, sharpening their needles. Iolanth looked up and smiled. You've been a long while at the office. Trouble? Not become incontinent, have you? Lucille asked. They don't like that. I'm fine, thanks, Stella replied firmly. Well, she had been accused of worse than incontinence more than twice today. Lying, bullying, senile maleficence. She stopped on the near side of the nodder who blinked her pale eyes as Stella knelt down at her side. Quietly, Stella told the nodder, You're fine. I didn't tell who sent those letters. You're in the clear. Ilanth asked, What was that? I didn't hear. I just hate mumblers, Lucille said. But the nodder stopped trembling and nodded. Stella looked hard, but decided with a certain sense of inevitability that she could not see one iota of gratitude or appreciation in the woman's gaze. Nor did any true cleverness show in her face beneath that tightly curled head of hair. Stella could see nothing out of the ordinary intellect or spirit that might inspire her to such heights of malice. The nodder had simply been out to rid herself of her rival for Theo's attentions. Jealousy must focus the mind beautifully. Stella decided that she would very much like to know what Dr. Terry would say about that. You're welcome, Stella said more dryly than she had really intended. She stood up to go, but then paused and looked back down at her. By the way, I'm terribly sorry. I've forgotten your name. 
Then Otter drew herself up to her full height, and contempt shone again in her eyes. Ireland said, It's Sally. Stella, you forget the names of people you see every day. Lucille sighed, glad I'm not you. Stella stood for a long moment, regarding the three of them without love. Then she turned to go sit with Thelma, whom she didn't like much either. She lowered herself into the chair and took a deep breath. She would never be able to tell anybody the truth of the tale, but she had solved the mystery. The thought of it warmed her feet inside her slip-on shoes, along with the fact that she had not given away the Nodder's guilt. What was her blasted name again? Sally, Stella said aloud. What did you say? Thelma asked. Speak up. The Nodder's name was Sally. Stella shrugged. I knew it started with a J. Thelma asked, Is that cabbage for lunch? Stella took a long sniff. Yes. Gives me cramps, Thelma said. The two of them lapsed into what Stella cautiously categorized as a sort of companionable silence, waiting side by side like an unmatched pair of shoes for the tone to call them in for cabbage. 